Hi guys and welcome uh, to another chat. Um, I'm pleased to uh, be talking to Sam Belcher today. Sam runs a uh, recruitment firm um, with offices uh, across the region and uh, I wanted to have a chat to him and, and, and hear from, from Sam a bit about what's going on in the job market in Singapore, um, you know, in the coalface really and, and, and how things are looking um, and just to get his thoughts really on, on, on what's happened um, you know, within that job market and, and, and whether things are, are, are looking maybe a bit rosier um, as uh, the world sort of moves away from a lockdown um, and hopefully into a slightly more positive uh, frame of, uh, of mind, um, you know, both on an individual basis, but also on a, on a corporate perspective as well. Um, so, um, Sam, welcome. Thanks for taking the time out to have a chat. Yeah, thanks, George, and thanks for having me on the on, on the podcast. And um, yeah, obviously, um, you know, it's sort of good to to go through the some employment landscape as you mentioned, and uh, and just see sort of how things are developing as we as we get through this uh, this uh, this COVID situation. Yeah, excellent. Well, you know, it's um, well, I suppose. I mean, first of all, let's you know maybe just give a bit of background to to, to, to your company and yourself, uh, Sam. Yeah. So um, so I'm a. a, a so fairly experienced recruiter, so um, so started my, my, my career in London back in uh, back in two thousand, um, and I spent the bulk of my career actually working in in Asia. Uh, so initially in Hong Kong, um, and then been working in Singapore for the past fourteen years or so. Um, and I set up the, the Edge partnership with uh, with three other partners um, back in two thousand and thirteen. So initially uh, Singapore and Hong Kong. Um, with a focus on kind of back and middle office recruitment into the into the banking sector. Um, about a year after we we, we launched in those locations, um, we, we opened offices in India as well to kind of meet the demands of clients that were offshoring out into India. Um, so we now have three offices there: one in uh, one in Mumbai, uh, one in Delhi, and one in Bangalore. Um, and we also have an office in uh, KL that we opened in 2016 as well. Um, so so we we recruit across uh, financial services, across the uh, front to back office, um, but also in the commercial space um, for accountants. Uh, lawyers and also HR professionals across uh, across the Asia markets as well. Well, so it's a very big footprint across the region. So um, I presume you've got quite you know, quite good sort of insight into what's happening in you know in the job market within Asia. I mean, so 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 how has it been this year for you guys? Um, so I think the, um, uh, the the kind of the, the impacts uh, of the of the sort of coronavirus has been has been sort of. Quite quite large to some extent, but also probably less dramatic than than we thought so in others. And I think we um, the recruitment industry and you know, the clients that we, we we sort of serve. I mean, they generally had a really good start to the year and a lot of optimism around 2020 as a year. Um, and obviously, that sort of got he heavily impacted by um, by coronavirus coming coming into play. Um, so I think that there's a general sense. Uh, for a lot of people, was that it was going to be um, a heavily impacted uh, recruitment market, recruitment landscape. Um, but you know, to, to be fair, it hasn't, hasn't necessarily been as bad as we anticipated. In fact, it's been nowhere near as bad as we, we anticipated. Um, and I think um, that's probably largely because I think that the kind of the multinationals, so the, the banks and larger corporates and that kind of thing. Um, 
you know, you know st still still have um, you know robust pipelines in regards to revenue and everything else. Um, I think obviously the kind of more devastating impact has been in in other economies. So you know, obviously if you're on the F and B space or uh, you're a retailer or kind of consumer businesses where you you rely on footfall, then obviously that's going to be a be be, be a challenging space to operate in. But um, on the actual recruitment side, um, you know, I think that there's from the roles that we work on and in terms of our typical you know pipelines of work, we. We're probably about sort of 35 to 40 percent down in terms of the the amount of jobs that we would typically work on at this time of the year. Um, but I think that um, what we found is that when companies are are actually hiring, they're very very committed to hiring somebody. So there's less kind of speculation or just generally keeping an eye out for talent or that kind of thing. So there's probably a lot more thought consideration that goes into into hiring at the moment. So. So for us as a recruitment company, whilst the, the amount of work has gone down significantly, um, the kind of quality of work uh, in turn has gone up significantly as well. And it, it, has there been a bit of a difference, you know, within the within, within the region? So is that sort of broadly the same ac across, you know, KL, Singapore, Hong Kong, India, or are different areas sort of, um, you know, facing slightly different landscapes? Um, I think I think so. Generally, it's been relatively similar. I think there's there's. The big difference between the different jurisdictions probably has been the, the, the level of stimulus that's been offered to uh, offered to company uh, to companies in the market. So, um, if you look at Malaysia, for example, it's been it's been fairly minimal. Um, if you look at India as a market, I mean, the amount of sort of government stimulus that's gone to companies again has been relatively small. Um, whereas in Singapore, it's been it's been quite significant. So. Um, you know the, the amount of government support that's gone into particularly uh, maintaining your sort of Singapore or, or, or PR workforce has been has, has been very high. So as yet, you probably haven't seen um, the scale of, of redundancies and that kind of stuff that maybe you, you would have seen in other, in other markets. Um, but um, so I, I think obviously the, the, the recovery rate of, of coronavirus might have an impact in terms of how quickly uh, different jurisdictions can open up their, their, their borders. Um, but I think broadly it's been similar. I think I think there's there's still been certain levels of of, of hiring activity, um, but I think that um, the, the the impact you know, potentially in terms of large scale redundancies and that kind of stuff might might be felt in the second half of the year um, once some of the you know the kind of the, the scale of the stimulus packages begins begin to wear off and and the reality of where companies sit financially begins to hit home. Yeah, I mean, I think that's very interesting. I, mean, I think it's definitely worthy of note for for, for any you know, any any business of quite how um, proactive the Singapore government has been, and you know, Singapore has become. I suppose it's fair to say that the chosen location for kind of Asia head offices for large corporations, and that commitment from those corporations to Singapore. Was somewhat reciprocated, I think, to be fair, um, in the way in which they provided such such large support to, to, to PR and and, and, and local um, employers uh, employees, and I think that that's really worthy of note. And I think that um, it probably stands Singapore in pretty good stead um, reputationally um, as a location for um, you know future growth within the region. Um, what was it like in Hong Kong? Were they quite proactive there as well, or was it slightly different? Um, I think it was it, it was slightly different. I think the the, the kind of level of, of stimulus was was definitely less than what you've you've seen in Singapore, and it was it, it sort of happened quite a bit later. Um, so there was there's probably a bit more room for um, 
of economic uncertainty for particularly smaller companies in, in Hong Kong. Um, and I guess with, with, with Hong Kong as well, I guess you, you, you also got the, the kind of the backdrop of, you know, slight political uncertainty um, in the market there as well. Um, but that being said, you know, I think that, that um, the, the level of hiring activity that we've seen in Hong Kong has, has correlated quite closely to what we've seen in Singapore. You know, there, there's certainly been a drop, um, but there is um, you know, still critical hiring going on. And if, if you look at certain industries like you know, the, the fund space or um, you know, equities businesses for banks or those kind of things, we'll see Hong Kong is still a significantly bigger market in, in, in that particular space. Um, but I think that, you know, I think also, um, you know, the kind of the, the, the optics behind it has also you know, possibly played a part in, in Hong Kong. I don't think, you know, companies want to be seen to, to be you know, taking roles out of Hong Kong and placing them um, elsewhere. Um, so I think that there, there, there's still a, a, a pretty firm commitment from uh, certainly financial institutions to actually have a, have, a, have a significant presence in Hong Kong. And I'm not sure that that, that will change significantly, to, to be honest. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because it's like a classic tale of two cities. It's like Paris, London, Singapore, Hong Kong. Mm. So when you're yeah. in Hong Kong, everyone always goes, oh, it's nice to go to sleepy Singapore for a long weekend, but I couldn't possibly live there because it's so boring. And everyone in Singapore yeah. is always saying, oh, we couldn't possibly live in Hong Kong. It's far too hectic. And there's always a yeah. slight sense of, um, of kind of happiness at the thought of Singapore winning and Hong Kong losing. Um, and uh, I think it's, it's interesting what you say about, you know, you know, there's still a commitment from large corporations to be in Hong Kong because, you know, there's been a lot of press about Hong Kong. It's, um, you know, a lot of what you read um, when you don't live in a place can often be taken with a bit of a pinch of salt. And I think you could be forgiven for thinking it's about to come to an end, Hong Kong. And I think it's, it's quite encouraging and actually, you know, because it's very important for this region um, uh, that Hong Kong isn't actually kind of on its knees. And as you say, it's, you know, it's quite robust, hiring heavily and, um, you know, remains you know, the place to be on, a, on, on an equity um, side for the banks. And then, you know, in, 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 in Singapore or, or Asia, really, just speak, speaking more broadly, um, as you say, uh, a slight sense of trepidation then in relation to, potential job losses filtering through and a bit of a changing landscape for, for the second half of the year? Um, I think I think there's definitely uh, you know, a sense that you know, the, the economic impact on, on firms may you know may begin to, to, to bite home in, in the second half of the year. So that's when you might start to see um, larger redundancies. Um, and I think you know certainly if you if you look at you know, obviously the most impacted industries like you know, airlines, um, you know retailers, the, the tourism space. Obviously, there's going to be a, a huge impact there. Um, and I think from a you know Singapore perspective, I think the concern potentially is around um, you know the PMET, so you know in, in staff between the ages of you know 40 to 50 that um, may find it you know harder to, to reskill or retrain and then find jobs in in other industries. Um, but again, looking at the companies that we, we, we deal with, they, they, no one seems to be talking about mass redundancies. Um, and I think companies will be pretty wary of the optics of, of sort of making huge sways of their workforce redundant um, during a time when it's going to be very hard to find employment in, in other areas. Um, and in Singapore, particularly on the backdrop of the fact that they would have received quite a lot of stimulus from the government and then letting people go. So... I, I don't foresee that in the kind of uh, around the multinationals and that kind of thing, you will uh, you will see large scale redundancies. Um, 
if you look at some of the, the, the tech companies that have made redundancies, you know, the, the, the grabs, you know, um, I think Airbnb, LinkedIn recently have let some people go. Um, and, you know, proportionally quite large portions of their workforce. But, you know, the, the level of criticism and scrutiny that's come with that um, has been quite reflective of how people view uh, large corporations who make money in the good times, how they then sort of, you know, behave when, when, when the market starts, starts to turn against them as well. So uh, I, I, I'll be surprised if you're seeing huge swathes of people in the professional space being, being made redundant. Um, I think the other thing that's probably worth noting in, in Singapore and Hong Kong is that, you know, they, they are sort of you know, prominent regional headquarters. So, you know, companies don't have huge excesses of staff here. It's not, it's not like they've got some teams of, you know, 30,000 people doing processing or that kind of thing. I mean, they're, they're, they're proper headquarters where they have, um, you know, kind of lean, business-focused, efficient workforces. So it's, it's not easy to, to sort of, you know, cut 20% of your workforce without impacting your ability to operate successfully. Um, so, again, I, I, I'd imagine if companies, you know, are, are looking to reduce headcount and that kind of stuff, they're probably affect that in other locations where they have more critical mass um, and where they have people doing more kind of production or process orientated roles yeah and i think that um i think what you say there's is is it sort of rings true in the equity markets as well actually so if we look at where large corporations are um you know how they're faring during this period of time you know government stimulus came in you know large amounts of kind of central bank support and and, and what we've seen is you know, large listed companies um, have recovered very strongly um, from mm. the initial panic. And, yep. um, you know, I think that would be, um, it, it, that, that's reflected in their share value. And, 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 and as you say, it's you know, probably reflected in their, in their hiring or at least their attitude to firing um, at the moment. Yep. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't look good, um, to be frank. Mm. Um, yep. If you've seen a share price, but you're still, you know, culling staff. That would obviously be, uh, you know, quite quite problematic. Problematic. And then I suppose away from, you know, the companies that are, you know, not getting rid of people, but maybe not looking to to, to hire. Obviously, technology has been a big win during this period yep. of time. Everyone's um, hunting down uh, for technology yep. startups yet again to invest in, and um, mm. you know, this whole, you know, we're talking now on Zoom and. Um, you know, it's very reflective of this sort of embrace of, um, of technology, finally, I suppose, across kind of um, more traditional kind of face-to-face -face, uh, professions like yours and mine. Um, you know, yep. is, is, is technology leading the way on employment or is it still actually, you know, still quite, quite, quite sort of short of staff because they don't need a huge amount? Um, yeah, so I think I think obviously the the, the recent focus has, has been you know to, to attract large you know, uh, so technology players in, into the market. So obviously you know, the likes of Facebook and and Google uh, developing large regional headquarters um, here in Singapore. So um, so I think you know the, the big tech players obviously have been have been hiring quite quite a bit. Um, then I guess underneath that, looking at sort of technology platforms in other organisations is 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 large. So if you look at um, uh, obviously a lot of the banks are looking to um, sort of improve a lot of their uh, you know digital capabilities. Um, actually, any consumer business will be looking to transform and, and build their digital capabilities um, in the insurance space, in uh, in banks. Um, 
uh, right through to companies that maybe have a consumer platform but don't have any e-commerce capabilities. So I think you know supply chain e-commerce will become uh, very big. So, so companies getting better at selling their products on, online effectively, um, which again will will drive a lot of um, of tech-driven hiring. Um, you've, you've then um, you know, also, also behind that, you've got you know slightly more traditional industries in, in Singapore that maybe haven't been uh, as impacted. So I'd say that banks, um, you know, generally are still are still uh, hiring quite quite a bit here in Singapore. Um, I mean, looking at the Hong Kong and Singapore part, I think the, the where Singapore has probably benefited quite a bit has been inflow of uh, funds, particularly on the on on the private banking sides, or looking at uh, you know funds or trust schemes and everything else. So. Um, I, I think around um, things like the the BCC and 13X and those kind of things, which are uh, you know centres for people to move uh, money to Singapore. Again, I think you'll see quite a bit of hiring from that um, in the second half of this year as well. Interesting. And then, so that's I mean, it's all quite encouraging to some extent. And um, I think that that's yeah. I mean, I, I do think that it's it's really important to understand because most people understand what's going on in their own profession. And, and what they're doing, but obviously more broadly, I mean, you really are at the coalface of kind of, you know, you know, quite quite a lot of industries. And it, it does seem to me, or at least it sounds to me, that all is certainly not lost, and that there there is cause for, you know, for optimism. And while, you know, companies might be hiring in different ways or, or in different areas, there's still a kind of there's still a requirement for talent, and that's being actively pursued. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's always a, you know, a, particularly in a, in a downturn, there's probably a, you know, a slight sentiment that there's, that there's nothing going on and, and, and no one's hiring and it's all sort of doom and gloom and everything else. And you know, I think Hong Kong is a, is, is a case in point. I and mean, I think if you, if you sort of read the articles around Hong Kong and you know, the new security law coming in and that kind of thing, then you know, I guess the, the, the primary perception is that, that Hong Kong's finished and it'll get stripped bare and everything will move outside. But you know, at the same time, Hong Kong's doing a lot to um, develop its, its tech capabilities. It's still incredibly business focused. It um, yeah, has a huge talent pool and that kind of thing. So you know, within, within the context of very negative news, there is a lot happening in these large cities. Um, that is still driving quite, quite a bit of hiring and, and there's still big talent shortages in certain areas as well. And then I, I suppose just on a matter of you know, pure curiosity, I think, um, you know, you, you and I both, you know, what we would call face-to-face -face kind of um, providers, you know, you, you, I, I deal with clients on a private client perspective and you deal with your, um, you know, clients face-to-face -face. Um, and yep. obviously technology's cropped up and you mentioned, you know, a platform like LinkedIn. Um, you know, how have you found the kind of threat of technology to, 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 you know, to what a recruiter does and, you know, how's that, how's that impacted your, you know, business or has it not really? And, and, you know, is there still very much a requirement for that face-to-face -face recruiting? Yeah, so I, mean, I, th I think that, um, you know, obviously LinkedIn um, sort of increases people's uh, visibility and if you're, if, you're, if you're searching for a job, obviously it makes it easier for, for, for you to be found. Um, and you know, I think there's a perception when LinkedIn came out, um, however long ago when it came out, I think there's a sense that it, it would just basically remove the need for um, for, for recruitment companies um, because companies can reach out to talent directly and 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 they'll sort of basically cut out the the, the middleman. Um, but I think the, the the reality is is that whilst you know, LinkedIn is a, is a very useful platform. Um, if you if you actually look at the percentage of people that are actually on LinkedIn, it's still relatively small. Um, 
And then if you look at the number of people that actually are actively using LinkedIn, um, it, it's, it's an even smaller number still. So um, I mean, the majority of people that are looking at LinkedIn on a day-to-day -day basis probably are recruiters, to be honest with you, um, who are you know, trying to find candidates. But um, so often the kind of what people would pay us a fee for is, is actually finding people that are not on LinkedIn. So finding the kind of hidden talent who are quite happy in their job but might move for a, for a particular role. Um, so, but LinkedIn obviously you know, does enable us to, to, to find candidates ourselves and to, you know, source and pipeline talent for clients as well. But um, I think some companies that maybe don't use recruiters and that kind of stuff, their, their sole uh, sourcing is, is done via LinkedIn. So they will advertise, they will source for candidates on LinkedIn and that kind of thing. Um, and by doing that, they are eliminating uh, the majority of the candidate population that just don't have an active presence on LinkedIn at all. Um, so it's, it, LinkedIn is very, very useful. Um, but I think for a lot of people, it's become their kind of sole source of, of, uh, of talent, basically. Um, whereas I think the people that have that, you know, the, the network and, you know, the, uh, which is mainly driven through face-to-face -face meeting and meeting people and, and that kind of thing, you know, often find better candidates that maybe are not sitting on LinkedIn as well. Like yourself, George. Yeah, correct, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, correct. I, I, um, yeah. LinkedIn's for Americans or the needy. I, um, <laughs> I, I think there's a, um, I, I think it's quite interesting though to, you know, to hear that. And then, and then when we look at this kind of overused phrase, the new normal and all this sort of tedious, um, uh, never ending sort of uh, uh, propaganda about sort of always you know, being stuck at home and, and not wanting to meet face to face. You know, when it comes to, you know, hiring people and candidates, I, I, I take it it's, there's still a real desire for people to, you know, get to meet people face to face. While needs make us, you know, have to work remotely at the moment, you know, that, 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 that desire, you know, to have face to face interaction is, 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 is going to come back. I mean, is, is that something that you think is likely to happen or are we all going to be working kind of through, through screens moving forward? Uh, yeah, I think I think that from an interview perspective and, and meetings, I mean, obviously a lot more has been transacted um, through through Zoom or, or you know other means over the past few months. So I think that you know obviously a lot of the candidates that we might have placed in jobs over the past three months or so, the entire process would have been run via Zoom interviews and, and that kind of stuff. So and in a few cases they've actually been onboarded without ever meeting anybody face to face uh, to actually join that firm, which. But I think that's more driven by by some circumstance. I don't I don't sense it's the preferred option for either the candidate or the, the hiring company. To be honest with you, I think that um, once people are able to, uh, people will get back to face to face interviews and, and meeting and that kind of thing. So um, but there might be a bit more that, that yeah, has you know, some some capability to do more of the process on, online. But I you know I, I think people still like the, the face to face interaction. Um, and I think I think the sort of the, the working from, from home bit, um, you know, again, I, I don't I don't really know about that. I mean, I think that a lot of, I mean, for us as a firm, you know, I think working from home has been good. You know, it's been better than we could have anticipated. I think you know people have been you know productive and and engaged, and um, you know it, it seems to have worked quite well. But I, I sense that people, from an overriding perspective, people are quite keen to get back to the office at, at some point and in some shape or form. Um, and you know, I was coming into the CBD uh, a few times over the past couple of weeks. It's, it's getting steadily busier. Um, so I, I just sense as the economy opens up in, in different markets, people will be quite keen to get back back into the office. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same, and I, you know, I, I think it's great that there can be this sort of work flexibility. But I do hope that um, 
that, uh, that, that, that there is, you know, still that desire to, you know, come in and meet people face to face. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, that that will come back. And I think that, yeah. you know, for, 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 you know, on my side, it is, you know, I think generally very interesting to, you know, to, to, to hear, you know, that, that there are kind of green shoots actually over this period. And, you know, for yourself, really in the firing line, I mean, a classic role that you would assume would have been absolutely, you know, brutal um, as a result of the kind of measures during the um, uh, COVID, uh, this COVID period would, would be recruitment. And I, I think it's really encouraging to hear that, that, that it hasn't been, you know, far from the optimism that you had at the beginning of the year, but it's, it's, it's not been anything like as negative um, as, as you might have perceived. And I think that's, you know, real cause for optimism. I think there's far too much kind of focus on, on the things that, that, that haven't happened, um, you know, positively over the course of uh, this year. And I think the kind of the durability of a lot of businesses to survive and, and hopefully actually then to thrive is, is, is generally quite quite positive. But I, I think what, what I'll do is I'll, I'll leave your details kind of on the um, on the link to the podcast, Sam, because it'd be good for any clients who want to have a quick chat to you about the you know, job environment and what's out there and, 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 yeah. and speak, speak to you directly. I think that would be, um, you know, that would that, be pretty positive. And then you know, just, yeah. just signing off, um, you know, so how, what are your views, um, you know, as, as a business over the next couple of years? Is, is it just to sort of, you know, sit tight and, um, and, uh, and sort of defend the, the, you know, the locations that you've opened up already? Or are you quite sort of positive on, on, on growing further? Um, I think I think the, the intention for us was uh, was was to kind of maintain that, that Asia focus and and try and expand into the markets that we uh, we currently operate in and kind of build out the footprints in, in, into those into those markets. I mean, like for example, we we have um, you know three sort of you know, good robust offices in, in India, but obviously that is a, a vast market where you can you can probably grow exponentially um, in terms of client base and um, you know headcount and resource and that kind of thing. So. So I think that's uh, that that's a market that that you know we've we've really enjoyed operating in. It's it's been successful and one that we will look to to, to really expand and build out. Um, and you know I suppose some you know, planning that we maybe had for this year you know probably got slightly put on ice um, when the whole um, coronavirus situation happened. I mean we have um, continued to hire people in in Singapore and we'll continue to do so over over the course of this year. Um, but you know I, I think the objective for us has always been to have a very strong Asia footprint. Um, and sort of build out our offices in areas which are relevant to the clients that we that we, that we currently deal with, and I think that stood us in in, in fairly good stead. Um, I think romantically, I would I'd sort of love to have an office in London at some point, so I can sort of uh, you know head back more regularly. But um, no, I think that's that's probably a pipe dream at the moment, to be honest with you. But I think that's something I'd, I'd love to do eventually at some point in time. Yeah, interesting. And then just quickly on the India bit, before we sort of sign off, I'm quite interested yeah. in you know, your offices in India. For, 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 is offshoring still a really big part of kind of you know uh, of of company strategies at the moment? You know, to India, is it still sort of really a, 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 a path that a lot of companies want to explore or continue to explore? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's there's um, there's still a big a big focus on on sort of offshoring, and I, I think that if if, if you look at um, these kind of conditions now, I guess, you know, companies will probably look at absolute costs and that kind of thing and look at roles they can potentially offshore. So I think that you, you'll see, um, you'll probably see offshoring intensify over the next uh, next year or two uh, with more, more roles moving into India. A lot of offshoring has been quite based around banking and financial services, but you're now seeing a lot of um, 
manufacturing companies who maybe have been active in China or that kind of stuff, looking very actively at India as a, um, as a, as a place to grow and expand. Um, so, yeah, there's still, still a very a very heavy focus upon hiring into, um, into the offshore centers in India. Um, I don't have the exact numbers of how big it is, but it's, it, it's huge in terms of the volume of, of kind of people into, into that market. Um, and it's also really, it's really been helped as well by um, obviously a very strong talent pool in India itself. Um, we've also seen a, a lot of very talented returning Indians who, um, even as a pre COVID, you were seeing uh, visa restrictions uh, becoming more tightly enforced in, in a lot of jurisdictions, like in the US and the UK, uh, you know, Singapore, Hong Kong, and elsewhere. So, so lots of Indian talent maybe being based overseas going going back to India. Um, so, a lot of the candidates that we, we place are returning Indians going back, and, and they're, they're really helping to kind of to elevate and, and boost the quality of, of work that the, the, the offshore centre in India as well. So, I I think India will be a, be a huge area of growth still over the next uh, next five to ten years. Yeah, that's very interesting. I, I quite like that. It's quite sort of neat, actually, that the um, that you know India is now benefiting from its mass exported kind of workforce, and that as um, as the UK and the US look more inward, um, and it's harder for them to stay. You know, India is going to benefit from that, and that's um, you know, that, that, I think, I yeah. think that's very positive. Um, yeah, and it's uh, it still remains a confusing um, still remains a confusing place. I mean, obviously, the twenty this century is all meant to be about the race between China and India. Um, you know, to become the next massive superpower, and um, you know, it's uh, obviously everything's much more China focused these days. But I think um, it's interesting seeing what's happening in India, and I think that you know, someone you know, in your space, I think you'll probably you get well, obviously you run businesses there as well. I mean, you you get much more kind of insights into it. And I think um, I, th I, I think it can be kind of ridden off a bit, India, quite 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 foolishly. And I think there's a huge amount of potential still to, to you know to come through um uh, from there and that yeah, that, yeah. That, that growth of uh of talent you know returning indians to india i think is going to be really interesting um so yeah, so yeah i think india's probably, you know, probably you know, suffers from a slight sort of there's a you know, a, you know people will have a perspective of, of india and how it operates and you know it's, it's certainly not the easiest country in the world to to do business in and um and kind of you know set up uh, businesses and, and transacting that kind of stuff, but it, you know, it, we found that it's getting easier and easier every, every year. Um, and if you look at sort of technology advancement in you know basic areas like you know if you if you take a tuk tuk for example, you you can you can pay by just swiping your card and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot you know happening there that is is probably more advanced than than other other parts of the world. Um, and uh, so yeah, I, I agree. Right, I think if you look at infrastructure, everything else, it is it is obviously quite far behind China. Um, but in terms of global dynamics at the moment, you know, I think people are looking at India as a result of perhaps trying to reduce some of their footprint or focus in, in China. And, and India is really the kind of obvious next one for people to, to move to. Yeah, it could be a real, but yeah, it could, it could genuinely, you know, I mean, it seems obviously, it seems a silly thing to say at the moment, because I know that, you know, really struggling during this coronavirus period, you know, mm. health perspective, but actually kind of as an economy, um, it really could benefit actually from the, you know, from the swing away from, from China. It'd be interesting to see. So yeah, um, definitely. Okay, cool. Wait, thanks so much for your time. It's, it's, it's really interesting. I, I'll look forward to speaking to you again later in this year and we'll see hopefully how things pan out and that hopefully, um, you know, these green shoots continue to grow and, um, uh, and, 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 and companies, you know, continue to focus on growth and, and hiring and, um, yeah, good luck for the rest of the year. Thank you, George. Cheers, buddy. Good to speak to you. All right. Bye. Thanks for that. Okay. Bye. Bye.